make some notes on my end too. Oops, got it. All right, since we are live, <laughs> hello everybody. Um, I am here. I just want to make sure it's in the right place. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh yeah, I see it. Okay. I am here with Kylie Eds, and she is a friend and colleague of mine from our business mentoring group. And she works mostly on sleep and works with babies. So it's so exciting <laughs> to have you here. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Before we sure. Yeah. So I'm Kylie, founder of Kylie It's Family Wellness and a mama of two. I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old um, and really using my 12 years. Actually, I think it's 14 years. I'm so used to saying 12, <laughs> 14 <laughs> years of experience as a pediatric occupational therapist and then all my advanced certifications since having children. So um, you know, uh, I've got two infant sleep certifications. I'm certified in reflux and infant craniosacral therapy. So I really bring a holistic approach to working with moms with babies zero to two. I know we're talking a little bit about older babies today, but I have loads of experience with the older sort of preschool age as well mm -hmm. from my, um, sort of more traditional occupational therapy experiences. But my passion is sleep because my first baby who is now six was an awful sleeper or so I thought at the time and I was so stressed about sleep and that was like the one thing not one thing but that was the main thing that was really consuming me that caused me so much overwhelm and worry and stress and frustration and all of the things in um, at the very least the first year of motherhood but for the first eight and a half months for sure um, my son was like the classic 20-minute napper I could have him nap for three hours if he was napping on me, but never in his crib. Um, literally, he was like that classic baby who I would go for a walk, he'd fall asleep. And the second I stopped the stroller, his eyes would be bing, open and I'd be like, oh, man. So I really felt like I had no time for myself. I was stressed about the nights. I would bounce him on the ball for two hours. My back was hurting. I would put him down in the crib and he'd like wake up a second later. It was just awful. He was up every two hours until eight and a half months old. And I was like, I'm done. I can't do this. I hate my baby at night. And it was just not what I wanted. And yeah. so at that I point, had one of those, my first was like that. And I think I have a theory, you know, okay. about some of the, you know, we, we do the shoulds, right? Mm -hmm. A lot. And we read, you know, as a first parent, we're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to find out all the information. And this is what we know about sleep. Like it is important. We are responsible mm -hmm. for getting our kids enough sleep. Mm -hmm. And so we take out all that shoulds and totally. actually don't observe the child. A hundred percent. And now in hindsight, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I caused myself all that stress. Um, but it wasn't just me. I really think it's society in general and yeah. all of this misinformation that's out there. Um, you know, the sleep training culture is huge. And, you know, you hear from the sleep training culture and all of the people that you follow on Instagram, even your pediatrician who's telling you that your baby should be sleeping through the night at like four months or six months or nine months, but at least by a year. <laughs> um, and, you know, and so when you go to do all your baby wellness checks and whatnot, and the doctor's like, how's your baby sleeping? That seems to be the one question everybody asks you. And you're like, I am going to go mad if you ask me one more time. <laughs> My baby is not sleeping. Um, 
and but that question in and of itself really almost makes us unconsciously be be thinking like oh should my baby be sleeping more should my baby be sleeping through the night my baby is not sleeping through the night what's wrong with my baby am i doing something wrong and you go on the spiral right and so that question even though it's meant as uh, you know, I care about you, I care about your family, even from your mom or sister-in-law or whoever, that question leads to so many, um, I can't think of the right word, but so many sort of like uh, spiraling thoughts, right? Yeah. My group's called self-care without the guilt. So that's where we yeah. take on the guilt mm -hmm. and those inner critic voices. 100% spiraling and then as someone you see evidence of it when somebody mm -hmm. says it to you then oh there's evidence i'm not doing enough right mm -hmm. like I, so can we get solid in our beliefs about sleep our beliefs about our babies um can we drown out the conditioning and all the voices totally. and really just be in relationship and yeah that's what you teach that's what you yeah want exactly and one of the one of the biggest things I find that helps and that helped me was gaining clarity about what normal infant sleep actually is biologically like babies yeah. are meant to wake up. There is a lot of reasons why they're meant to wake up. One of the biggest reasons is that babies, all babies, even my two babies who were born at 42 weeks and two days, both of them, <laughs> they were kicked out. Um, <laughs> even them all babies are born premature when you compare human babies to other primate babies mm -hmm. and we're born premature because our brains and our heads need to be small enough to fit through the birth canal we're only born with about 25 to 29 percent of our brain capacity and that brain capacity builds in the first three years and in the first one to two years it has sort of like the most exponential growth and the thing is that when your baby is born with only 25% of their brain capacity, they're very vulnerable and very dependent on you for a long time. I know it seems like forever, but it's really only like three years. <laughs> and then you start to see a lot more of that independence. Um, but I think that we forget that. Our babies need us to regulate their body temperature, their breathing rate, respiration rate, their arousal level, their feeling of safety and security and being calm and their survival. And so they let us know that they need us by crying and by waking up and saying, mommy, I need more food. I need more hydration. I need to know that you're there and that I'm safe. Mm -hmm. And I think that we don't talk about that part of things enough. It's all about this like, oh, our babies must be independent. They must learn how to self-soothe. And by babies, I'm talking about toddlers, young children. <laughs> this goes for a while. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, we have this, this idea from our culture and, you know, just our, our society is so focused on independence that we almost don't even let our babies and children rest in dependence. And by resting in dependence, that's when they can really have that carefree childhood that's when they can just not have to worry about our love, about our support, about our, you know, being there for them. Yeah. They can just be. 
instead of having to work for it, right? Yeah, that just be, so for me, I'm the oldest. So I was, it was really um, conditioned into me, self-reliant, independent, do what you need to do, get it done. But I also have my biology background. So I, I know the importance of the biological things you're talking about. So those, um, those first years, mm-hmm. I was really, really um, okay with, you know, this is what mom, this is, they need their mom. This is what I can provide. Mm-hmm. But as the, the distance, you know, the independence, that age where they're, they're showing their separation and mm-hmm. that's when you start to come back to, oh my gosh, I have needs too. Mm-hmm. And like, where are my boundaries here? Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, you know, how do I want to treat myself? Mm-hmm. But also those toddlers just need to be too, like, they're not just going to be suddenly independent. So yeah, you have some advice on how to set boundaries in that place. Like I do. And I think, I think one of the things that we fall into trap is not the right word, but we fall into believing or assuming is that we need to be doing, 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 and giving, 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 and caring, caring, caring um, for our babies and our toddlers and our, even our young children. And that we need to do that in order to help them grow into, you know, productive societal members and like the best that they can be. And we often do that as a result or with the result of, of kind of almost being a martyr and forgetting our own needs. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that realistically, just like they tell you on the airplane, you have to put your own oxygen mask on first before helping others. Because guess what? If you have no more air, you can't help others. Mm -hmm. And so we need to also fill our own love cup. So before or along with our children's love cup. You probably have heard that term before that you have to fill your children's love cup. And, you know, this is how they can feel like they're connected and how they often have less of the behaviors when they're feeling connected. Um, And that, that comes through connection and through that idea of filling their love cup and spending that quality time with them in being in the present moment, all of those things. But guess what? We can't fill their love cup if we're not filling our own. Mm-hmm. Because when our cup is empty, that's when we get into um, short-tempered, we yell more, we get angry more easily, we um, you know, just get like frustrated and we're parenting in a way that we don't actually want. Maybe we're snapping at our partners <laughs> and nobody really wants to be around us because we're just, <laughs> we're just empty. (laughs) We have nothing left to give. Mm -hmm. And so this is, I talk about self-care a lot with, with the mamas that I work with, especially the ones that have those older babies and toddlers, right? Because you're already thinking in your head, like, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted. If my, if my nine or 10 or 11 month old, or my 18 month old isn't sleeping through the night, you're like, oh, what do I do? But one of the strategies is you actually have to fill your own love cup so that you can deal with that sleep deprivation. You can deal with that exhaustion. You can deal with the, the, you know, terrible twos or the meltdowns or whatever. You have more reserves to be able to deal with those in a way that mimics the values of your parenting style. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is a big piece of it. And it's something that we all, I feel like, really put on the bottom of our to-do list. It just gets pushed down. (laughs) 
like, I know I have to do self-care. Oh, but I don't have time to do self-care. I know I have to do self-care, but I have to, you know, get the laundry done and the dishes done and make sure that my baby gets their naps at the same time. I know I have to do self-care, but there's always a, but mm-hmm. I find. So really making it a priority. And one of the ways that I talk about it is that you really need to think about self-care just like you think about nourishing your body with healthy food and water. And you know that those are important because if you don't fill your body with healthy food and water, you're not going to feel good. You're not going to have a lot of energy. You're going to feel yucky. And that's also going to lead to all of those (laughs) sort of not parenting the way that you want to parent because you're not going to feel your best. Yeah. Self-care is the same thing. You need to fill your emotional kind of reserves in order to really care for the people in your life the way that you want to. Yeah, I love that you use the word emotional because a lot of times we don't, we, I mean, at least in my opinion and a lot of my clients, we don't give ourselves emotional self-care. Mm-hmm. We just keep going. Um, even as a child, I stopped myself from crying because it was like, there's no time for that. Like you gotta get up and go, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that culture. Um, and that's what I, that's what I work is, is coaching moms through their emotional support. Like, how do we even do this? No one taught us how to do this. And then our kids bring us emotions and we're like, Whoa, I don't even know how to do my own emotions. So how am I going to do your emotions? So what does emotional self-care look like to you? Like, um, first question. Mm -hmm. And then the second question is, um, this idea of the working mom that self-care can be work. Mm. Like mm-hmm. if you are in passionate work that you love mm-hmm. doing, mm-hmm. how does that show up for you as like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not guilty, you know, I'm not gonna feel guilty by doing this project that really, really lights me up. Mm-hmm. I actually love that perspective. I haven't thought about it like that before, but it's true because for myself, so I love running mom and baby classes in person because just being around the babies and all of that love and the giggles and the new skills and all of the awe that moms have, like when their baby rolls over the the first time or whatever, it really fills my cup. It's exhausting physically, but it really fills my cup. And I'm always so like giddy after class. Like I'm just like on cloud nine, like just so happy. Um, And so it's interesting to think of that as a form of self-care because I'm doing something that I love. So I love that perspective. I'm going to use that perspective (laughs) that in my back pocket. (laughs) And um, so in terms of emotional sort of self-care, this is a harder one for me because I find myself doing a lot of the shoulds Mm -hmm. and, um, and I just did a a self-care sort of challenge that I was just a participant in a few weeks ago. And one of their things was, okay, tonight, you need to do something just for you, something that will fill your cup, something that will make you feel joy, calm, whatever the feeling is, but something that is just for you, for nobody else. 
and they gave a bunch of ideas like meditation or yoga or yoga nidra or listening to podcasts or whatever. And so in my head at the beginning of this sort of homework, when they were assigning it, I was like, oh, this is so easy. I have all these ideas. It's all good. Like I'm going to find, just pick one off the list and it'll be great. But throughout the day, it started to feel like a big burden because I started to do the shoulds. Oh, I should meditate, but do I really like meditating? I don't know. Then I have to like find a spot, you know, all of the things that go through your head. And it was starting to feel like hard work. Mm-hmm. And then I really sat with myself and thought, okay, I know all of the things that I could do or should do to be self-care, but what do I actually want to do? What actually will fill me up? And I sat with that a little bit. And honestly, it was not all of these things. Mm-hmm. What, what I felt in that moment was I asked my husband to put the kids to bed from start to finish. I sat in my sort of like, um, it's my office, but it's actually kind of my Zen, <laughs> my Zen den, who could call it. Um, <laughs> and I sat there with a cup of tea and I did my nails and I also watched a, a Netflix show. I just chose one that I was like, okay, this is like super cheesy, romantic whatever, <laughs> something that I don't normally watch. Like I'm not a TV watcher. Um, and when my husband and I watch movies, it's never the romantic comedy thing because <laughs> he does not go for that so this was my sort of like indulgence it felt like an indulgence yeah. and I had to keep reminding myself not to feel guilty about this mm-hmm. that this is exactly what I needed and can I tell you I went to bed that night like on cloud nine because I was just so relaxed mm-hmm. I was so happy my kids tried all of the tricks to get me to come and do bedtime because that's what they're used to And I held my ground. I put the boundary in place. There were tears. I let my husband deal with those tears. (laughs) And um, it was heaven. It was so great. And it didn't cost me anything. Okay, fine. The Netflix uh, subscription, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) The nail polish. (laughs) The nail polish, yeah. Yeah. But but really it was, and it wasn't your classic I'm going to do some yoga nidra. I'm going to set myself up to meditate for 10 minutes. I'm going to find this guided meditation. I'm going to do X, Y, Z. It just was in the moment. What do I actually want right now that I can Mm -hmm. do that I'm going to feel good about? I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a huge part of my coaching program is, is rediscovering your own inner knowing Mm -hmm. like what not, no, everybody's telling me to do all these things to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And just going back to your question, what is it that I want right now? Mm-hmm. It was hard. I'll tell you, it was hard. <laughs> yeah, it, it ain't easy. No one taught us how to do that. Yeah. Like, yeah, and the the knocking on the door and the crying and mm-hmm. yeah, just sitting with those. That's the emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we call safe seat and pure joy coaching. Mm-hmm. Sitting with bringing all those emotions mm-hmm. right there in that moment, just being yeah. like. Okay. <laughs> and I find, I think you had mentioned this also, but one of the things that I find with parents that I work with is it's hard. They get triggered by their baby's tears or their toddler's tears or their preschooler's tears. Um, and I think our instinct, our initial instinct as moms is to stop the tears and to make our children feel better. And so we do, and we give, and we like try all of the tricks to stop the tears. How can I make you feel better? Um, 
and I think that one that's one of the things that causes us overwhelm and more stress because we're constantly trying more and more and more and more and that's exhausting and if we just realize that we all have to express emotion this is how we get to the other side of the emotion and the same for our kids tears in and of themselves are not bad crying is not bad and actually on the other side of crying you often have that sense of like oh yeah it's just so calm right Mm -hmm. The, the difference is that we want to be there supporting the tears, holding loving intention for those tears. We want to hold space for our children, but we want to be in their presence or at least somewhere nearby where they know that we're there when they need us mm-hmm. with those tears. This is where the difference comes with the whole like sleep training and cry it out and or, or the like, oh, don't pick up your child just just because they're crying or every time they cry you're causing bad habits and all of the crazy things that I hear all the time. Um, and I think that we kind of get into this like, oh, I'm causing a bad habit if I'm always responding to the tears, if I'm always holding my children or picking them up or responding to them to comfort them. But that's the opposite, actually. That's exactly what they need. They don't need us to stop the tears. They need us to comfort them through. They need us to, they need to know and feel that we're there for them whenever they need us, whether they're angry or sad or happy or excited or frustrated or whatever, positive, negative emotions, it doesn't matter. They need to understand that we will be there for them no matter what. And that comes through allowing them to have those emotions, allowing them to express those emotions, even if you get triggered by those emotions, even if you don't like those emotions, even if your gut is like, I just want to stop the tears. Um, (laughs) Of course you do. And, and, you know, allowing those tears to happen, because I always tell the moms, put yourself in your child's position. If you came home from a really tough day at work, and you were just so angry, or there was something so sad that happened, and you just burst out screaming and crying. If your partner was like, it's okay, it's okay, don't cry, don't cry, stop crying, stop crying, it's okay, calm down, calm down, take a breath, calm down, stop crying. Oh, you know, if you can't stop crying, just go to your room until you're done, right? Uh, You would be enraged. (laughs) You'd be like, what the F is wrong with you? Leave me alone. (laughs) Just let me cry. Um, But instead, what your partner most likely does naturally is gives you a big hug, sits with you on the couch while you cry your tears out. And then when you're done crying, you hug and then you probably tell your partner all about why you were crying and you talk it out. Now, our babies and toddlers can't necessarily talk it out but they do need to go through all those other stages to have that moment of, okay, I feel seen, I feel heard, I feel loved. Mm -hmm. And this is the part I think that we sometimes, we prevent, right? Because we, we wanna stop, our goal is to stop the tears. Our goal is to make our child feel better, but we don't connect that actually helping them feel better is just being there holding them, hugging them, letting them have their tantrum, letting them have their cry, letting them express their frustration that you've decided you're no longer nursing to sleep or nursing five times a night or whatever the boundary is that you're putting in place, letting them have those emotions of sadness, of grief, of whatever the emotion is, 
and being there for them still, and then they can get to the other side. So Dr. Neufeld calls that tears of futility, um, where it's just, you, you kind of, you, you have to have these tears. It's like futile to try to stop the tears. You have the tears to get through to the other side, to get through that emotion so that you can then move forward. Versus if we stop the tears, then we're essentially telling our babies and children that it's not okay to have emotion. It's not okay to express emotion. So better keep it bottled up inside until we're adults and then we go to therapy for it. Exactly. <laughs> <Right>? Yes. <laughs> or, or you can, you know, get a pure joy parent coach to cry with you. There yeah. you go. There there you you're, go. <laughs> you're, riding, you're riding the waves of emotion with mm -hmm. me. Um, yeah. yeah. And the, the, that book um, reminds me of that book by the Nagowski sisters, Burnout, um, completing the stress cycle. If you're not going through that site, that whole stress, stress cycle, all the way through the emotional tunnel is what they call it. Mm -hmm. You're stopping right there. It's going to get stuck. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I just, as you were talking, I was just thinking we should probably wrap up with, you know, do you have like any final tips for, you know, when your baby's waking up a lot or your toddler even, and there is that crying, like you're, mm -hmm. you're holding space for them. And yes, we tell ourselves like, when is this ever gonna end? When are they ever gonna stop waking up and crying? Do you have a tip on how to just be with them mm -hmm. um, through that, like cry, you know, not the cry it out method, yeah. but coming in and just, being with the crying so one of the things for sure because I look at everything holistically right so is is understanding and tuning into your baby is that crying because of pain and discomfort mm. or is that crying because they're expressing an emotion for example if you put a boundary in place where you're not nursing them five times a night right mm -hmm. um and so you really need to kind of tease that out because if they're crying because they have growing pains or a stomach ache, or they've got food allergies and intolerances that are causing some discomfort in their bellies, or they've got eczema that's really itchy at night or whatever, then you have to take care of that need first, right? Yeah, and a wet diaper. <laughs> exactly, a wet diaper, whatever it is. Like right. you can't just hold them and let them cry. Right. <laughs> that's not yeah. taking care of the need. Mm -hmm. um, or if they're hungry, like if they're actually hungry, then you know you have to take care of the needs first and then when you know that you've taken care of the needs and you're like okay my 18 month old does not need to nurse every two hours at night because they're eating really well during the day and they had a full feed before bed i know that they don't need the nutrition and that their belly is not full and maybe they're just comfort nursing right so this often happens with the families that i work with so let's just take that as an example the first thing that I would actually do, especially with the older toddlers and preschoolers, is start talking about this change that is going to happen, this sort of boundary that you're putting into place where you're like, well, mm -hmm. I'm not nursing anymore at night, or maybe I'm not nursing anymore if you want to start slower, if you're like, I'm not going to nurse unless it's been four hours, right, since the last nurse. Mm -hmm. um, and so you have to talk to your, your older toddler or preschooler about the change first. You also need to pair that nursing with another sleep association or, or soothing mechanism. 
So whether it is humming or maybe you're sitting in a rocking chair and you're rocking them or you're patting their bum or you're squeezing their feet or whatever it is, they're playing with a lovey that you guys have together or something that is going to give them some comfort. You're pairing that with the nursing first. This is also sometimes called habit stacking. So you're building in another habit, another soothing mechanism before you take the, the, the nursing away or whatever is not working for you anymore, before you're putting that boundary in place, yeah. you have to have something else there. Um, you don't have to, but this is one of the ways to kind of make it a little bit more of a gradual, less harsh transition. Yeah, we often um, don't plan for transitions, right? Yeah. Like we just yeah. know this and then this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and then you would stop that bound. You would put that boundary in place. So no nursing, let's just say mm -hmm. you put that boundary in place and there's going to be tears because it's something new and unfamiliar, unpredictable, which our primitive brain views as kind of scary. And we're like, Oh, on high alert. And your child is expressing emotion of I'm sad that I don't get to nurse or I'm frustrated or I'm angry that things are different and that's okay. Change is hard for all of us. But when things become consistent, they become familiar, predictable, and viewed by our brain as safe. Yeah. And so your baby or your toddler or your child will get used to things if you hold that boundary consistently. And you can literally just hold them. Give them a hug. If they don't want to be held and they're kind of wiggling away, put them on the ground. Let them be there. You can talk to them gently. I wouldn't have like big, long conversations in the middle of the night, but you could say things like, mommy loves you. I know this is hard. Mm -hmm. but mommy loves you mommy's here or whatever your words are right but mm -hmm. um using simple words like that to let them know and then when they eventually do calm down they'll probably come and climb into your lap for a hug <laughs> and you hold them and then you calm them down and put them back to sleep it sounds so easy when i talk about it but it's not easy and knowing that going in that it's going to be hard for you to put the boundary in place and keep the boundary in place the other mm -hmm. thing i tell the moms that i work with though is that you have to trust your instincts also, just because I told you to put the boundary in place. And because we agreed on that while, you know, we were having our call, you also have to still tune in to how that boundary feels in that moment. So if you've been holding your screaming child for an hour, because <laughs> you're not nursing and you're putting the boundary in place and everybody's exhausted because it's the fifth time that night that they're up, then maybe you're just kind of giving into that boundary for today and you're trying again tomorrow or you're trying again for the next week, right? You have to have that piece of like, does this still feel good in my heart right now? Or do we all just need more sleep and I'm going to nurse you so that we can all get to sleep. I love and that. And that's okay too. In pure and, joy, we call that boundary. What is not okay. And what is okay with how I treat myself. Mm -hmm. So if you are with a screaming child for an hour and you are like, this is not working for me, Mm -hmm. right that's your boundary there you're not it's mm -hmm. not like you're giving in to your child mm -hmm. or like the, the world is going to end mm -hmm. right so mm -hmm. you know you've got to take care of your own needs too yeah I do sometimes um I mean probably usually not in the middle of the night but sometimes I have parents asking me for other kind of parenting tips during the day when you're putting boundaries in place during the day um and sometimes I do try to talk or, or support moms to get their children to calm down before giving into the boundary so that the child is still learning that, okay, mm. I can still regulate my emotions and I will still get what I want versus the, 
I'm going to scream and cry until you give in. Get part, it, yeah. Right. So there's like a fine balance where it's like, okay, let's just calm down when we're nice and calm, then mommy will nurse you, or then you can have more milk or whatever your words are, mm. but just kind of like down regulating before you give them whatever that thing was that they were crying about in the first place. Yeah. And I think that when you're really solid with yourself, that naturally mm-hmm. you get, you both will co-regulate and like, okay, now we're co-regulation is huge. Yeah. Now, now I can make a, a, a decision from my rational brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So before we go, mm-hmm. I know you have um, courses and coaching and all of that for anybody that wants to work deeper on this. If, if you're really wanting to get some sleep in order in your mm-hmm. house, um, will you tell everybody how to find you? Yeah, sure. So all of my information is on my website, which is just www.kylieetz.com. Um, and you can find all my courses there, all of my sort of one-to-one support, my books, everything. Um, but you can also just uh, get in touch with me. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm the holistic baby guru on Instagram. I just started a TikTok account. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I'm just Kylie Etz on that, but, uh, yeah, so social media is probably the easiest way or just visiting my website and there's uh, lots of places to sort of contact me on that. I'll put all of your links in the description in the video too. Perfect. Yay. Thanks so much. I feel like we could talk forever, but I know. we got to stay on we, schedule, right? We just, moms. we just, you know, kind of started with the little tip of the iceberg there. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much. I'm going to um, hit stop and um, find Kelly if you need some support. <laughs>